This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Jonathan Wright, who just signed up for the online diamond edition of the writing course. Thanks, Jonathan. We're also brought to you today by Audible.com. Get a free audio download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash school of last. They've got over 180,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them right there on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, it's audibletrial.com forward slash school of last. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here, and today I've got a fun interview with my good buddy Darren Streblo. If you don't know Darren, he is a uh, Minnesota guy who does comedy, clean comedy. He also has his own weekly show on iHeartRadio, the Darren Streblo Comedy Show, and it's a lot of fun. I've been on his show several times. You can check that out at darrenstreblo.com. That's D A R E N S T R E B L O W.com. And uh, go on there and check out the old comedy show. He's had me on there a couple times. I'll link to those episodes in the show notes, but a great show if you like clean comedy in general, and Darren's a very insightful and uh, intuitive guy, and we have a lot of fun talking today on the show, and I know you're going to enjoy that podcast here in just a second. Of course, I have to let you know what's going on. First off, huge thanks to all the former students who came out to the graduation show on Tuesday here in Nashville at Zaney's. Uh, from top to bottom, the entire 90-minute show was full of people that have taken my comedy classes, and it was just too much fun to see people that are now emceeing and doing a solid job, as well as closing shows and doing a solid job, sprinkled in with some of our newest students who did their three-minute sets, and everybody had a good time, uh, just a great overall experience. So thanks again for attending that and uh, for performing in it, you guys that are listening that were there. If you're interested at all in taking the online comedy class, you can do that. Check it out at schooloflast.com. Click the online comedy class link. For those of you that want to take the class live, we're going to have that one more time this year in November. November 7, 21, and 28. Those are all Mondays. We'll meet uh, downtown Nashville uh, for two hours each of those sessions to cover writing techniques, joke structure, and how to prepare a set, especially your first set. Or if you've been doing comedy for a while and it's just not clicking, you may need to know the basics and fundamentals more than you think you do. So you can jump in and take the class there. It's uh, 200 bucks even, probably the best deal in comedy anywhere, and a lot of fun. You'll get to meet other people that are pursuing comedy. And, of course, any former students who have taken the writing class, you have that lifetime membership, and you can come in and sit in the room and uh, share the experience all over again from your new perspective further on down the comedy road. So, Again, that is November 7, 21, and 28. You can email me, schooloflast at gmail.com, and ask any questions you like, or let me know you'd like to pre-register. All right, let's get into this interview with comedian and radio host, Darren Streblo. Darren Streblo, how's it going, buddy? Rick, good to be with you, man. How's it going? I'm good. Are you in the great white north? I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cold place, but a good place to write comedy, because there's nothing else to do, so works out pretty well. That's awesome, man. So you just got off the road. You say, where were you at this past weekend? I was uh, on a run with uh, Tim Hawkins through, uh, I think we were in the Twin Cities for a couple of days, and then we went up to, um, I think, where was it, North Dakota, Grand Forks, and then we ended up in Rapid City, South Dakota. So I did uh, one of my routines, and he played the pan flute behind it. And 
it changed the way I deliver. You know, I usually kind of talk like this up there and, and up there as with the pamphlets, like from the land of 10,000 lakes, you know, just changed the way I deliver. And the, the audience really ate it up. It was really a lot of fun. Oh, I hope you got a recording of that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Actually, I got some nice video. I'm going to probably play that on my radio show too. So, so it's nice to be with another uh, human being and kind of learn about how they write and, what they do on stage and just kind of study them and get ideas for yourself. It's kind of inspiring. Yeah. And that's a good, I think a good contrast of comedians, you and Tim Hawkins, you're, you're a positive guy, but you're, you're stand up. How, how would you describe your stand up? I think the guy up there, um, that I'd be, you know, let out on the stage kind of, um, he's upset that life hasn't been more smooth. The, the awkwardness is driving him uh, insane and he can't seem to wrap his mind around why things keep getting awkward. So he's just up there kind of railing against it and fighting against it and finding some comfort in an audience that'll listen to his story. So yeah, he can be a little down sometimes. He gets a little screechy. He yells quite a bit <laughs> um, and uh, not a typical Minnesota trait. So that's unusual for, for him. But uh, yeah, I think your description is right on. Yeah. And how long do you think it took you to get to that point where you could kind of separate yourself and kind of even determine that and even use the third person? to <laughs> I don't even know if it's healthy, Rick, but that's what I do. I sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I started thinking about maybe just a couple of years ago, I just started noticing that uh, the guy on stage was very different from the guy that I allow myself to be in public. And part of that, as you know, uh, if we were the guy we were on stage in real life, we would have no real relationships because it would drive everybody away. You know, uh, the intensity of who that is up there, the subject matter, uh, how quick he is to uh, point out goofy inconsistencies. I mean, if you do that with your friends or your spouse long enough, it's not going to turn out well. You know, so, so I, I, I saw that discrepancy. I said, well, is that really me up there? And it's like, yeah, it's, it, it actually is. It's me as the old phrase goes, you know, it's me turned up to 11, but it's, it's the, uh, protected me, the one that I really have to kind of keep reined in if I want to, uh, uh, like I said, have any meaningful relationships in my life, because <laughs> he tends to dr uh, drive people away as I discovered and high school and college. Yeah. If I let him out too often, it didn't, 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 didn't make my life very good. So have you ever thought about using a straight jacket as your logo? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a real Batman kind of problem where you, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of got the dark side that is Batman, but you've also got the philanthropic yes. uh, side yes. of Bruce Wayne. So, yeah. yeah. Well, do you find that true for you, Rick? I mean, do you, do you, I, 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 your stage character is pretty different from 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 your real life. I mean, I, you're you're much more kind of kind of cool in real life, kind of just kind of real super laid back. You know, you hang, not make a lot of trouble. At least that's what I found when I've hung around you. I'm pretty quiet off stage, and uh, the only thing I notice differently <laughs> is I have a lot more energy when I'm on stage than when I'm off. When I'm off, I'm, I'm like an old NFL player that can't walk anymore. <laughs> too many times beaten up but i but i know if i just hang in there one more year there's a pension in it yeah right <laughs> so you know it's like uh 
you know, like Peyton Manning last year, uh, you know, whatever they had to do to get him ready for game day, they did it. And then yeah. he can play through the pain. And then, and then off stage, he's just a hobbled old dude. <laughs> I heard stories, and I, I really can't confirm this. This is secondhand, but I think he, George Burns had a handler um, right up until he was, you know, through his 90s. And basically, his handler would just, uh, from what I understand, basically bring him backstage, get a chair, prop him up in the chair, kind of, you know, uh, straighten his straighten his outfit up, you know, make sure nothing was on his face, kind of give the thumbs up, walk out, the curtain would part, and then George Burns would come alive for his probably two hours, I would imagine, and then the curtain would close, his head would slump, and his handler would come in and take him out, almost like a, a mannequin. You know, just, just, and, and I, I always thought that was interesting. So he had the adrenaline and the, the, the stage brought him to life for those uh, brief periods. And then he was back to uh, being uh, the old man that he was off stage. But uh, I guess I feel like that too, a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, I just saw an interview with Don Rickles and Dan Rather kept really just saying like, you know, on your tombstone, what would you like it to say? <laughs> And Don turns to the cameraman and he goes, he's trying to marry me right here on his own special. <laughs> you know, Rickles was still so sharp. Occasionally it would take him like a second or two to think of somebody's name. But like he, he, he had his wits about him still. And I just thought, you know, those guys at the level they were doing. I mean, I'm not doing eight shows a week and only right. dark on Monday like he is in Vegas. So it's like, you know, as long as you can keep your mind healthy, you've still got to run at this thing. Yeah, that's true. Now, you got started... Uh, you did radio first, is that correct? And then jumped into stand-up? Yeah, I was pretty young when I started in radio. I think I was 16, and I did it. And then I got into full-time by the time I was into college. And then uh, I think I quit when I was 26. And then went into full-time stand-up. I'm 45 now. So. Yeah, see, that's a good run right there. That's 19 years? Yeah, yeah, going on 19 years. Yeah, it's been fun. I really like it. I think I'll keep going. You know, it's, uh, uh, I still haven't got everything turned. You know, I was just, I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody, you know, you, you meet comics that are two years in the game and they're just upset that people aren't taking them real seriously and they haven't, you know, no one understands the genius of who they are. And I've said to a couple of them, you know, when you've been in the business for two, three years, you're really just a beginner and it's okay. You know, I was like that too, but I finally had somebody kind of step on me and say, hey, pay your dues and take your time because this takes a long time to learn this stuff. And uh, boy, was that great advice, you know. So um, I, I even into it 18 years, I, I just feel like I'm just starting to figure some of this stuff out. You know, it just it, it takes that long to make that many mistakes and learn what's funny, the, the intersect of what's funny in your mind and what's funny to a general audience, the intersect of those two spheres, um, you know, uh, how to move on stage. Or just at, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, what what is your stage character? Who is that person? How do you get that person out there? Uh, what does the audience want to hear from that person? These these questions take years and years to answer. So yeah, it could take your 
you know, until you've written your third hour material or your second life before you actually know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. You know, uh, what, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's a kind of a, did you ever, you know, it's like, what's your hook? You know, let's find what your hook is and then everything will fall into place. Well, finding your quote unquote hook is very, very difficult. And before you can really find a hook, you really have to find out, well, who is that person on the inside? And to get to that person on the inside is a pretty deep and sometimes dark journey, you know, where you, you have this discovery of yourself that is often scary, you know, and, and as a person of faith, I mean, my faith in Christ is the only thing that has kept me able to go even deeper inside and see all the garbage that's in there, you know, and, 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 uh, if, if I didn't have forgiveness, I don't know if I could deal with that journey. I mean, that, that's a hard journey, but then finally kind of unearthing, okay, this is who you are. This is that guy. Now, what does he say? How does he move? And what, what is his relationship to an audience? And he's uh, like, like we say, it just takes, takes years and years to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the first part of the journey is just getting good at the tools of, of comedy, the timing and delivery. And then, you, you know, if you're like me, I worked through a bunch of material that really was not about me at all. It was all pop culture references and that kind sure. of stuff. And then as sure. I got the mechanics down, I got bored with talking about that stuff and started talking about real things and, and you know, embellishing real stories and making them fun for the stage. And, you know, through that, now I'm feeling like I've kind of got both sides of the equation going and I'm just now... I think 25 years into this whole thing. So it takes yeah. a while. You got to give, you know, I think you said it good, like the garbage inside. You got to green light that garbage to get out on stage instead of trying to be the, the comedian you want people to think you are. Just be the person you are, and then they'll figure out what kind of comedian you are with that. Boy, if every comedian could have what you just said on a plaque on a wall and look at it every day, I mean, I think that would be very helpful because, yeah, I, I think for many, many years I was trying to be the comedian I wanted everybody to think that I wanted to be. And he's, he's not attainable and he's not interesting to be honest. You know, um, I think, I think the times I've really been vulnerable on stage, I mean, really vulnerable and taken some of those emotional, uh, energies to the stage of vulnerability and really just talking about who I was I mean, that's really the, when the biggest connections have happened with audiences. The problem with it is it's terrifying, especially for an introvert, which I am, and I, I sense that you are too. It's terrifying to, to be that vulnerable with an audience. I, I know plenty of guys and gals that just, that they love that. It's just the more raw they can get in front of anybody, the more energy they get. I'm not like that. It, it, it's terrifying to put that stuff out in front of people and just... You know, I, I, I ride just thinking about it, but the more I've been able to do it, I think, I think the audience connects with it. You said it really well there. No comic starts their journey probably by saying, I want to learn how to connect with an audience. They always want to conquer the audience instead of connect with them. And if you start with connecting, everything else is so much easier, don't you think? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I suppose there's conquering elements to the process, but I think that's true of just a relationship with another person that you don't know. You know, you have to get over their initial discomfort. You have to sort of win, in a sense. You have to win 
the right to it's not it's not the right for to attention but it's 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 showing them that you're worth the time to listen to you know and you're doing that in early stages with i don't know uh fast and furious material or or just funny stuff or just having an amazing character that's just very interesting it's like people can't take their eyes off you you know those are early stages of winning them over but i think like you say the more you connect with them the more they feel like you're on their side or listening to them. Uh, I think the better, that's why I'm always, when I'm on stage, very cognizant of what's going on in the room. Um, as far as even things like babies crying or somebody drops drinks or, or, or stuff, you, you have to acknowledge that you're in the room with them, you know, and, and just even even just say, hey, what was that? I mean, if it is not funny, it it's that's a connecting point because they're oh you're oh he's up he's with us he sees this he knows what's going on you know um, I, I can feel the audience just sort of relax when those kinds of things happen and uh, you know I, so yeah I think I think the uh, the uh, connecting is is absolutely the most important thing you can try to do up there. Yeah, we had um, Nate Bragazzi on a while back, and he, he made a comment that he got into this kind of groove where he would just step on stage and just start going, and some of his stuff wasn't working as well, and he, somebody just had to remind him, like, take a couple seconds and just acknowledge that there's somebody in front of you before you start <laughs> launching into your material, you know, and he's like, yeah, just so now he just goes out and kind of looks at him like, hey, okay, we're all here, let's do this thing, you know, so... Yeah. Just something super short like that was the difference. It's funny you say that because I will, and I don't know why I picked this up, but I'll go out and I'll just say, let me, let me look at you guys for a minute. And I'll just look around the room and really just make eye contact. And so I never do it again. I never pause. I never pause that long in a show, you know, but I will for what seemed, it was probably about 10 seconds, just look them, you know, just look at them. And it's funny because they start to giggle. I don't know why. But they, they think it's weird that I'm just kind of observing everything. But I think what's happening is, oh, he's he's with us here, you know. And then they're ready to kind of, well, what's he have to say? And if I can get in the next couple minutes enough things in there where they feel like I've won them over, they'll they'll keep listening, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like a, when the pilot stands at the door at the beginning of the flight and kind of looks at everybody getting on board. I kind of like that pilot better than the one I never see. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really the same. You're taking these people somewhere. They're they're riding with you for 90 minutes or whatever it might be. So uh, yeah. take a look at you. You might want to kick some of those people off the plane before you take off. Yeah. Well, cool, man. When uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, show, your comedy show, which is on iHeartRadio, and people can get it anywhere through that app, but also through your website too. Tell me about some of the. The comics you've had on there and the goal of that uh, program. And, and what yeah, thanks. It's um, I was approached by a syndicator about five, six years ago and said, you know, I really want to have like a clean comedy program on the radio. And uh, I don't know how many stations will get on, but uh, let's just give it a shot. And I was interested in it because I had, a, like you said, a, a background in radio. So we launched, I think it was about five years ago, We, we and... Um, at first, I think what he wanted to do as the producer was have one comedian per week and then just do all their 
material for a whole hour. And then I sort of said, you know, it might be more fun to have a little more variety, you know, uh, maybe have a featured comedian and have bits from several other comedians. And then I said, you know, it'd be kind of fun to do a monologue in it. And he's like, well, I don't know. You think you want to do that? And I said, yeah. And so I got another comedian, David Pendleton on just kind of to bounce off of. And then that eventually developed. We had like up to three comedians with me just talking about stuff at the beginning of the show, introducing bits. Then we brought in parody music and interviews and stuff. And where it stands right now, about five years later, is there's, you know, a lot of stand-up in it, uh, funny stories, uh, parody music. But then we also kind of get into hard issues a little bit. We talk about important things in relationships and, and uh, things. So I'll, like, like I'll have Tim Hawkins on in an upcoming episode, and we're not only talking about comedy, but we're also talking about rejection and how you deal with that, not only, uh, you know, because comedians know something about rejection. How do you deal with that? from uh, your work on the stage or in, you know, your relationships with other people and uh, stuff like that. And so it's hoping that people who listen to the show not only laugh, but they kind of walk away with some stuff that uh, nourishes them a little bit in their spirit. So, uh, yeah, so we're on about 115 stations right now. iHeartRadio, we have our own app on iPhone and Droid, and uh, it's free. And uh, you can listen on the station, uh, or like you say, on the web, uh, website, uh, DarrenStrubelow.com. And yeah, a lot of people really like it. It's it's been uh, really fun. It's it's fun to sit behind the uh, microphone again after being away for so many years and enjoying it from a comedian's perspective. You know, you do radio differently when you're a comic than if you're back when you know when I did radio when I was a kid. It was all about being smooth, you know, good news, good music, 24 hours a day, you know, that guy. <laughs> right. You, know, you can't be that guy on stage and have people not throw things at you. So, uh, so it becomes very different, very personality driven. So we've really enjoyed it, actually. That's cool. I'll make sure I'll link to that stuff in the show notes so people can click through and subscribe and all that Thanks, good man. stuff. Yeah, no, I've listened to it a few times and I've got the, got them for my next drive on my iPad. Is there any... Are there comics you haven't got on there yet that you would like? Anybody you're trying to wrangle in? Well, I really wanted to have Brian Regan on there. Yeah. They, they just they politely declined. Um, and, and a show like mine isn't going to bring a whole lot to Brian's career. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're on 115 radio stations, Brian. Oh, really? Yeah. National television. Maybe you could uh, t- take, yeah. take snippets of his different appearances and and make a appearance (laughs) it's good to be here on the (laughs) darren street low show don't think i won't try it yeah you've got the editing skills but i have a lot of great uh comics on there um yourself uh tim hawk tim hawkins is on there ken davis uh bob smiley uh bone hampton anita renfro you know, all, all these people, for you and I, we, we run together, all of us who work clean. We, we all kind of know each other. It's this kind of weird fraternity. And so I thought it'd be fun to bring the audience into that world a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting fraternity of clean. And the, the hazing of that fr- in that fraternity, I mean, <laughs> how many different ways can you use a pencil eraser? <laughs> 
as a clean comedian, that's like your biggest asset is just that eraser. Because well, I can't say that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, it's stuff like, uh, but it does make you more, you know, dig deeper. You know, a little just just try to do things a little more creatively to try to. You know, it's it's not so much. It, it's the the thing with with blue comedy. The reason it works so well is it's so emotional, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, try if if you work clean, you're trying to tap into deep emotion, um, and uh, do it without using these other things that you know some people find offensive. And and sometimes when you find that sweet spot, boy, uh, the the reactions are, are wonderful. And don't you think that sweet spot is it kind of hovers around honesty? Yes, absolutely. That's the real sweet spot, I think, of, of all comedy. But clean comedy too is, and you said it pretty interesting there too. You're trying to do it in a certain way, and I think when, when it's bluer comedy, you're just going straight for straight for the last. But in the cleaner things, sometimes you're going through the cerebral portal to get into the emotional place. Yeah. By picking uh, maybe smarter or cleaner words or what have you, so the journey's just a, a millisecond longer if people will stick with you for it. Yeah, yeah. But the payoff is is just as good, if not better. I think. Now, when I, I watch some guys who work blue, the, the the real effective ones, they are being vulnerable and honest within that context. No matter how you're doing comedy, it's it's that vulnerability and self-disclosure and connection that's going to win the day rather than how you do the comedy. Yeah. I think that's true. At, at what point in your journey do you think you began to open up a little bit more, six or seven years in or a little bit longer than that? So it was probably 10 years in before I really started to kind of pull out stuff that, that really was stuff I felt uncomfortable talking about um, because it showed me in a negative light. Has has there been instances where you revealed something to, to a crowd full of strangers before you've revealed it to your family? Yes, I think so. Um, because, as you know, Rick... Family doesn't listen? <laughs> family's not always a great barometer of what's going to be not only appropriate, but if it's going to be funny. I was reading a McKee's uh, book, Story. Have you read that, Rick? No, I've heard about it. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, it's mostly about screenwriting, but it's about story elements. And he makes the point, I think he was talking about the Terminator movies. You know, the the very first Terminator movie, uh, Schwarzenegger was the villain and as the robot. But the way they wrote the robot, like when he would look at people, certain things would come up on the screen and sometimes they were laugh out loud funny things that the robot was seeing. Or the way he was, you know, being violent toward people. That was funny to certain people in, in the context, you know. But he, McKee was saying, I can tell that whoever wrote this film loved that villain. They loved that character. And because they loved it, it was written in a certain way where you enjoyed being around that character, even though they were the, the villain. And he says, I can always tell when a writer hates a character and I've noticed that too now. Sometimes when you're you're watching a, a television series or whatever, if you just not only see this person as a villain, but you just can't stand them, and, and it's obvious they're just the worst 
thing about the show, you, you can be pretty sure there's a writer behind it that hates that character, you know. And uh, I think you can do that on stage too if you if you really if you really just despise the the subject matter in a way that you you just you just obviously poisoned. It's 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 not going to be a fun thing to watch, I guess. Yeah, like that. I would say if you hated the character, you wouldn't develop it as much. So there's not multiple layers or any kind of depth there where people can feel empathy towards it. Yes, because as an artist, you're going to put them in a very black and white sort of, you know, all bad, all horrible, all miserable. And first of all, they're not going to believe it. But, but second of all, they're they're not going to like the uh, the venom there, you know. So I found that to be true for myself anyway. No, I think it, and that's an important thing is, you know, new comics listening, even comics been doing it for a while. If the crowd doesn't understand a little bit about your struggle in the first place, then as soon as you have a confrontation with somebody, they won't understand why you have it. So having some bits early in your show that kind of describe who you are, where you're coming from, your point of view, is only going to pay dividends later on. So spend a little bit of time investing in those jokes up front for the payoff later. Yeah, I think anytime you can write, uh, sort of establishing ideas like uh, I feel awkward around women. That's a, an early thing, you know, it's, it's just well, you like, should, uh, you really should. <laughs> I feel awkward when you're near women and I'm way down in Tennessee. When, when I'm, when I'm around, you, you know, ladies, they're beautiful and it just sort of, I get kind of this shy awkwardness around them. I, it's been like that since, since I was a kid. So, I, when I establish that later, the things that I talk about where that kind of is illustrated really <clears throat> gets bigger laughs if that's if that's established. It's hard to misdirect them if there's no direction. Well said. Yeah, you got to have at least two points heading in some direction before you can head left or right. That's right. Well, cool, man. I think we might want to leave it there because that's uh, I'm going to have to write that down and ponder that some more. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my comedy has no direction, so. <laughs> I love your comedy, man. I just love the, the realness of it and the, the feelings behind it. It just uh, just uh, makes me want to feel like I get to know you with every passing routine. So you're the master, man. You know you know how to do it. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm constantly trying to get more real with it without getting too too weird with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a tightrope, isn't it? It's, 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 yeah, I mean, just in a nutshell, for me, doing a lot of shows for corporate groups, they, they don't really want to be disturbed at any point during the 60 minutes. They want to be entertained the entire time. So there's, yeah, I have to find little ways to wrinkle it in there without them feeling too much like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? <laughs> yeah. But a little bit of that's good because that way they don't leave the room. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's, that's very true. Well, you're the master of the, the corporate thing, too. I, I, I could learn a lot just by watching how you how you uh, deal with that world. So I'll, I'll, show, I'll shoot you an email that proves opposite of that. But <laughs> Learn how I sent the money back to one corporate group. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone's got a show like that every once in a while. Every once in a while. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you being on today. My pleasure. And I'll make sure I link to your comedy show, the iHeartRadio links, everything in the, in the show notes so people can chase you down and find out more about this man who feels awkward around ladies. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Darren. Thanks, Rick. Great to be on your show, man.
Thanks, bye. Hope you enjoyed that. Darren, as you can tell, is a deep thinker. And we got inside that skull of his and and worked through some things. That was very interesting and always good to hang out with uh, my comedy brethren who are taking it uh, the same path that I do clean, but in a different direction and through different journeys. So very interesting. Hope you enjoyed that. If you do, uh, check out Darren. It's DarrenStreblo.com. It's S-T-R-E-B-L-O-W. And Darren just has the one R in it, DarrenStreblo.com. You can follow him on there and check out his iHeartRadio show. You can download that iHeartRadio app and listen to it there, and it'll just show up every week right there in your stream. And uh, always good stuff from Darren. Thanks again, Darren, for doing that. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Join me in Nashville for the writing class if you can, November 7, 21, and 28. And lastly, don't forget to check out your free trial. Get that free audio download at audibletrial.com forward slash school of laughs. You get a 30-day free trial and a free download just for clicking that code. Thanks, guys. Take care, and I'll be back next week. For listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.